Will Stringer, today's guest, is the co-founder and CEO of Chizos Capital, an alternative investment company that invests at the earliest stages of business ideation utilizing a convertible income share agreement. Having raised capital via crowdfunding, he encourages its use. Will will share insights about his work and his superpower. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Will, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's just a, a thrill to connect with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you know, at uh, SuperCrowd22, uh, you were on the program. And, and so this provided a context for me to uh, get to know you a little bit. And the primary thing I learned is there's so much more I want to get to know about you and your incredible work. So I appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. Tell us about Chisos. Sure. Yeah. So Chisos is an alternative capital provider. Um, we like to say that we invest directly in people. Often that's day one capital. So we're investing you know, pre-traction, pre-revenue, alongside friends and family, or instead of friends and family, using our convertible income share agreement terms. Um, really what that means is we're investing up to $50,000 on our convertible income share agreement, which is made up of two instruments. One is an income share agreement, similar to what you would see in the education space. Uh, the other is a safe equity in, in a person's business. Both of those really combine to allow us to invest in day one uh, founders when it's super early. And at a super high level, that's that's what we do at Chisos is provide that really early capital. That is um, a fascinating model because I, I don't know of anyone else doing exactly that. Uh, but uh it seems to me that then that also fits in well to uh equity crowdfunding strategies later on and and you've demonstrated in the past some at least some interest in backing uh founders who aren't traditionally backed isn't that right yeah it's another kind of tool in the the tool chest of of founders today as they're raising capital for their company. So one, we actually did a equity crowdfunding campaign ourselves uh, last summer. So we raised a little bit of operating capital on WeFunder to grow our team, develop our software, really build out our business, which is investing in founders. Um, so we had some experience there with the crowdfunding. A lot of our portfolio founders have also run crowdfunding campaigns. So Chisos can come in, we can be an early check. They can then raise some capital from their community. And that can be kind of the earliest checks that get a company off the ground. Those founders can then go on to either bootstrap, try and reach profitability, or if they want to go the VC route, um, hopefully they are at a point where they can raise a, a pre-seed round or, or a seed round from VCs. What we have found as we've uh, been deploying capital is that alternative capital options are really sought out for uh, a number of founders that, like you said, maybe don't run in the, the circles of traditional VC in the proverbial Silicon Valley, or that have you know spun out from uh, Harvard or Google. And our, our current portfolio stands at uh, about a little over 65% of our portfolio uh, are investments in underrepresented founders. So 
again, that kind of speaks to the the use case of our early capital for those that may not have that early network where they can raise the first 100 or 200K from friends, family, and colleagues. So it is a, a benefit of, of just structuring things differently and being able to invest uh, differently than, say, a traditional venture capital or, or angel. It really is... Uh... Uh, an exciting development, right? Really, to to think about this because there's so many founders who have ideas, and the first stumbling block that what what shuts them down is, I need ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand to figure this out to to make it into something, and I have no idea how to get that money, where to get that money. I don't have family, friends, I don't have a bank account with that. And and so that idea dies mm -hmm. uh, almost instantaneously. And what you're doing is you're creating, if nothing else, a, a path for success that, that an entrepreneur can have in his mind or her mind, their mind, right? To, to say, oh, there is a path, there is a way, there is a source, I can go to Chisos. And mm -hmm. even if they don't get money from you, it they it's forced them to really think through this in a serious way. And suddenly this this thing has a life, right? And they say, well, maybe I could crowdfund this. Maybe I could do X. Maybe and, and so it's really a valuable thing. Tell us a little bit about the application and screening process. How do people find you and access this money? Sure. So We've got a couple ways that we get the word out about what we do. Uh, we do a lot of organic material, uh, things like podcasts, webinars, social media, etc. Um, we also have a partnership program where we go out and we talk with the accelerators, the incubators, the VCs across the US, tell them what we do and tell them, hey, you see a ton of early stage deal flow, uh, send them over to Chisos. We may be able to provide that early stage capital. Maybe we help them level up, get to... Uh, some traction or some revenue, and then send them back to you to, to raise their pre-seed or seed round. Um, we have an open online application, so anyone can go on and apply. We have a big orange button uh, on our website that, that takes you to the application process. And the first two steps are, are automated. So the first one's really asking for you know, just your LinkedIn. We do ask for self-reporting on some personal financial information because during our underwriting process, we're looking at three buckets of info. One is uh, financial information on the founder. Two is more psychographic information, such as grit, hustle, ambition, leadership, coachability. And then third is we are looking at the business at a, a very high level. What we've tried to do is take the idea of the, that first check that typically comes in for a founder. Usually, um, or for, for a lot of people, it's personal bank account or friends and family. And that money is coming in as belief capital. Typically, there's you know nothing to show on the business. And so those people are literally investing in you as a person because they know you or trust you and believe that you can actually possibly do something, possibly build something. People that don't know you typically aren't going to invest um, in your business at that stage unless you have some revenue or unless you really have some other type of message um, that kind of signals that you're lower risk and maybe can build a big company. Maybe you're a second or third time founder um, or, or something like that. What we've tried to do is shortcut that. 
because we're investing directly in, in the individual, we're saying, all right, we're looking at your future earning potential. And often that's informed by your previous earnings. And so we're looking at, all right, where were you working before? What were you doing before? What was your income level before? Where do you have skills? Because when we're investing in you day one, yes, we think, or we want the company to be viable. We want you to build a, a giant company and, and we'll have equity in that company and everyone will be happy. But the reason we're able to provide that day one capital is because of our income share agreement. And our income share agreement is really looking at your future earning potential as an individual. So we're saying, all right, in a worst case scenario, we invest our $50,000, your company fails the very next day. Well, the reason we're able to invest so early and kind of that substitute belief for spark capital is because we're investing in you directly. And so after, or if your company fails on day two, we're asking, all right, what are you doing next? Uh, can we help you go back and get a job? Can we help you start your next company? Because that income share agreement is an investment in you personally. And so we want you to succeed. We want you to earn income because uh, that instrument is how we're going to get paid back uh, over time. But a little bit of a difference in, in kind of how that instrument works is there's a salary floor, there's a payment cap. And so what happens is you are making payments on the income share agreement when you're earning income, but only when you're earning income over a certain threshold. So while you're building your business, if you're paying yourself a very low salary or no salary, there are no payments due. So it's a very flexible instrument, um, unlike going out and taking out a credit card or, or a loan uh, or a traditional loan or anything like that. Yeah. That is a fascinating uh, approach. And you've thought through a lot of the issues to try to make this really a, a fair structure that recognizes the reality an entrepreneur faces, but at the same time provides a path for you to get repaid, even in a failure situation. Um, so it makes the makes this a, a real win-win. Um, let's talk a little bit about... Just quickly, a, a big reason we've structured it like that is to try and move capital from traditional financial sources into that day one stage. So large uh, pools of capital, they're investing in you know, less riskier things, real estate, private equity, you know, later stage venture. And so I was trying to figure out, all right, how do you mobilize that capital into the earliest riskiest stages where founders really need not that much capital to get started? And that's where I used a little bit of my own background, which uh, we may go into, but I, I used to work at a family office, um, more conservative family office investing in real estate, oil and gas, that kind of thing. And so as I designed our convertible income share agreement, the thinking was, okay, how do you protect the downside for the investor? How do you maybe provide some cash flow? But then also, how do you give the investor exposure to equity upside should the founder build the next Facebook or, or what have you? Um, and so that was the idea and really trying to mobilize more capital to the earliest stages of entrepreneurship, truly you know, pre-seed or, or pre-pre-seed. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's really a, a unique model. I don't know of anybody else doing exactly this. Uh, and so it's exciting to see what you're doing and um, accomplishing. Tell us a little bit, if you can, about some of your early wins. I realize that this is still somewhat new, but I imagine you can see progress with some of your clients. Maybe you can brag a little bit about them. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, to date, we've got 34, well, I guess 35, uh, check out my email. looks like we have a, a new signed deal, uh, 35 deals to date. Uh, we've deployed about 1.2 or 1.3 million so far. We've got five companies, um, that have gone on to raise additional rounds of capital. Um, and then we have collected a little over 150,000 in ISA payments over the past two years, just founders that, um, have jobs are paying themselves salary. So the model's working. Uh, it's going, you know, slower than I like, um, doing anything new and, and novel on the financial side often takes time to build out the track record so that people can invest in you based on the actual numbers and the returns rather than just based on your theory and, and, uh, Excel model. Um, you know, I'd say some big wins, you know, our, our, we just put out a blog post, uh, on our very, very first investment that we made, um, a founder named Tania out of New York the company is renewable. Uh, they have a, uh, fertilizer, a kind of recycled product, um, fertilizer that is used in, uh, hydro soilless farms. So hydroponic farms or soilless farms. They've gone on to raise, um, you know, over a million dollars in additional capital. Um, and they did that last year. They put out a press release on it. Uh, they're chugging forward. They're doing well. They're, uh, moving pilot contracts over to revenue. Um, and so, you know, that was our very first investment. I think we got super lucky. Um, that was kind of May of 2020. And, uh, you know, we connected with Tania over Zebras Unite, actually, uh, found mm -hmm. a group, you know, well, and so that's been great to work with her and, and, you know, we do what we can. She is going to succeed, uh, on her own, no matter what we do, what we can to try and make some other investor introductions and, uh, you know, provide feedback where we can, but she's just a, a rock star and, and is really going to succeed no matter what. Um, yeah. and we have a number of those founders where they're just, they will do everything they can to be successful and bring their product to market. Um, I obviously won't go into a bunch of them or most of them, but um, yeah, we're, we're excited about the portfolio and, and what it's shaping up to look like. Yeah, that is wonderful. That is wonderful. Will, as you think about the, um, the su successes you've had in your career and, and you, for a young guy, you've done a lot, uh, including especially Chisos, which is such a, uh, a novel approach to capitalizing entrepreneurship. Um, I'm excited about that. But as you think about your successes, what do you see as your superpower that's enabled all this success? Yeah, I think curiosity is a little bit of one. Um, and then just maybe a, a slightly unhealthy desire to succeed in, in quote unquote, the game of life. Um, you know, obviously there's, there's a lot more that goes into life than, um, you know, building a business and, and, uh, being successful at building a business. But I think in my career right now, that's really what I'm focused on is building something unique and making it big and kind of taking it mainstream. I think throughout my career, I've always been curious to dig in to different topics. So, you know, I started my career in banking, 
you know, I was went to the University of Texas uh, in Austin. So, you know, no pun intended, but there's a really strong pipeline of jobs out to Houston to start in the oil and gas industry. And so I started oil and gas banking, learned a lot about that industry, um, then jumped over to a family office where I was exposed to really everything in the investment world, um, late stage, growth stage, earlier stage, um, technology, real estate, et cetera, public, private, um, really started gravitating towards the technology side of things in the earlier stage venture when I was at the family office, even though that family office didn't do a lot in the space. Um, you know, things like crypto, I started digging into crypto, you know, 2015 and 16, just really curious about, Hey, what is this new thing? What is this new toy that's being developed and learning about it and figuring out, okay, where is this going to go? And I think that's ultimately what drove me to start working with founders and investing in founders, because they're usually building new cool things that are solving problems, uh, problems of all sizes. And so for me, really digging in and being curious about the person being curious about what problem they're solving is I think what's what's going to lead to our success at Chisos and and really being able to identify high potential founders, strong founders, building interesting businesses that are solving real problems. So yeah, I'd say curiosity is a, a big piece of that um, kind of driving forward. Yeah. As you think about uh, curiosity uh, and your experiences over the past decade or so, can you think of a specific instance where you say, oh yeah, I really saw my natural curiosity pay off in this situation? Can you think of one of those uh, to share? I mean, besides, I mean, the, the one that immediately comes to mind is just crypto. <laughs> you know, we I was working at the family office. I was doing diligence on a company that was building, you know, kind of a blockchain tool. And so I just fell down that rabbit hole and just kept digging and digging and digging, you know, very deep rabbit hole. The industry was just evolving like crazy. And so, you know, at that point, uh, you know, it hadn't exploded yet in 2015 and 16. So, you know, that was one specific example where I stumbled on it and I was like, Hey, this is interesting. Like this seems like it's going to go somewhere and you know, whatever, five, six, seven years later, uh, it has gone somewhere. Um, lots of ups and downs, but it's gone somewhere. So that that's one. Um, and then two is just, is Chisos in general, you know, the, the interest and curiosity to kind of design something that worked for founders, but also worked for investors in order to try and mobilize that capital. Um, that's what we did when we built the convertible income share agreement and, and I started and, and started building Chisos. So that alone is kind of um, a accomplishment I'm, I'm proud of today of, of where we are and the capital that we've provided to some early founders. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. Great example. As you um, think about how you've used curiosity as a superpower, how would you coach someone else to develop that ability? Uh, now, obviously, some of that is is natural, right? Maybe innate. But at the same time, uh, there are things, specific things that you can probably think about that you've done. And so you and maybe you've even coached people in the past on how to develop their 
their curiosity? What would you give as advice? My two biggest things have always been reading and travel. And and when I say travel, it's like travel outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, if you're going to, I won't name a place, but if you're going to just a standard, you know, resort and you're not really getting out and seeing a, a new culture or feeling a little bit uncomfortable, um, then I would say that's a different kind of travel, but travel and get outside your comfort zone. So I think, you know, I was fortunate, fortunate enough and was able to travel a little bit um, when I was younger. That really helped me see different cultures, see how different people operate and then realize that, oh yeah, the way I grew up is is not the only way that people operate. Like people do things very differently. And I think seeing that always led me to kind of dig deeper and understand why, you know, why are some cultures different? Um, what What is the background there? And then I think on top of that, reading is another way to just get exposure to new ideas. And so reading broadly um, across different topics and just kind of learning new and interesting things, you know, the diving in and reading books about um, quantum physics or quantum mechanics, like I don't pretend to understand that stuff, but as I read books about it and kind of try and learn about it, like it's just fascinating how much I don't know or people in general don't know. And there's so much white space to explore. And to me, that's just mentally stimulating to kind of learn new things. And so I think a lot of times, you know, I'll, I'll tell people or advise people like, look, if you can travel in, in any way and get outside your comfort zone, that's great to kind of help, help break your mold, read books that are on topics that you know nothing about. That'll kind of fire your brain and, and get, get you thinking and then read dissenting opinions as well. So, you know, you may have one point of view, go read the other point of view and read it with an open mind. Don't read it and immediately get mad or get closed off. Like, Read it with an open mind and really try and understand why is this person saying the things that they're saying? Like, what are their incentives? Like, there's a lot of stuff that gets written that, yes, their incentive is to, you know, make the other side mad or, or make people mad. But a lot of times people are coming from a genuine space and they're just writing something that you don't agree with. And so maybe try and put yourself in that, in their shoes and understand where they're coming from. And you may still disagree, totally disagree. But I think just understanding the other side or other points of view can just help you be more curious and then help you be a little bit more open-minded, which you, you really do need an open mind when you're you know, building something or building a company because you never know which pathway is going to succeed or ultimately help you find product market fit uh, in the early days. Yeah, well, it's... Uh... That's a, a profound insight, uh, and I really appreciate you sharing some of that ad advice for triggering and fostering curiosity. Uh, I, I certainly don't have your superpower of curiosity, but I can confirm everything you've said, right? That, that, that reading and traveling uh, especially are really powerful tools for fostering that curiosity. So thank you for sharing. Um, well, I'm so grateful that you would take the time to do this conversation today and I really appreciate you being here. Before we wrap up, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Chisos? I want to make sure that that people who are interested in investing uh, in you and your companies know how to follow up. Those who are interested in accessing capital know how to follow up. Those who just want to cheer you on and follow your story know how to follow you. You know, please uh, take a minute and make sure all those folks 
know what to do. Sure. Uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to find. Our website is chisos.io, C-H-I-S-O-S.io. Uh, to apply for investment, there's a big orange button on our website. Uh, pretty easy to start that application. We are raising our fund too, uh, you know, 506C exemption. So general, we can do general solicitation. Again, there's a, a less big button on our website it says invest here. We have a self-serve portal set up um, to go check out our, our docs and our, our deck and everything. So you can invest there. We're on Twitter, Chisos Capital. We're on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I try and post personally on LinkedIn or uh, well, LinkedIn and Twitter. My Twitter is WD Stringer. Um, yeah, we're, we're pretty easy to find. We've got an amazing um, marketing lead on our team who's done a great job of SEO. So search Chisos on Google. Um, we're actually one of the first that, that pops up. Sometimes ahead of the Fantastic. the Big Bend National Park that that it's named after. That's <laughs> oh, that's uh, fantastic. Well, uh, again, thank you, Will, for being here today. We wish you every success in helping to fund non traditional entrepreneurs and helping them to succeed in things that they perhaps could only have dreamed of without your help. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. All righty, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.